Mental health is complicated. One thing that makes it even more complicated is the gender differences when it comes to mental health. I'm going to throw a couple of statistics your way or a couple of ideas. And I want you to sit with these for a moment. Starting in adolescence, at least in North America, girls are two to three times more likely to experience depressive and anxiety symptoms when compared to boys. Girls are more likely to attempt to take their own lives, but men on average do it successfully more often. If you're looking at antisocial personality disorder, men are three times as likely to have it as women. The same applies for conduct disorder. Men are diagnosed with it at a much larger rate than women are. Substance abuse, men are far more likely. Eating disorders, girls. If you're looking for anger management problems or anger management classes, they're mostly enrolled in by men because those are the ones that we diagnose with having more anger management problems. If we look at the big five personality model, girls are generally higher in neuroticism than boys. And neuroticism essentially means emotional instability. So the opposite of emotional regulation. There's a huge difference in genders and in their disorders. Now, let's think about why that is. And I don't mean to come up with you with a one-worded answer in this video because I think it's far more complex, but let's have a discussion about this. Why is it that mental health looks so different in both of the sexes? Now, obviously, this is a societal component that one might talk about. You could also argue there's a genetic component. And unfortunately, we have two scenarios that are complete opposites that are both making it extremely difficult to diagnose young boys and girls. Scenario number one is depression, or you can take any mental health disorder, does not have the exact same symptoms between two individuals. So you could have one individual who's angry and irritable all the time, who can be classified as having depressive symptoms. You can have another individual who isn't angry at all. He's just tired all the time and unmotivated. Both of those are categorized as depressive symptoms. But the tricky thing is because there's so many other factors involved, it's hard to rule out, well, are you just not sleeping enough? Do you need to just drink some coffee? Do you need to whatever? Are you, do you have an electrolyte imbalance? You eat a banana, get some electrolytes in you. Like, what is it? So the tricky thing becomes... If boys and girls are exhibiting, they might have the same mental health disorder, but if they go to a clinician, they might get diagnosed with completely different disorders. Like we know that ADHD is overdiagnosed in boys and underdiagnosed in girls because the symptoms don't look the same. Like imagine if you went to the hospital and I was trying to tell you that, listen, cancer looks different in different patients. And you mean, oh, like different forms of cancer. I mean, no, no, no. The exact same form of cancer, let's say cancer in the colon, for instance, or intestinal cancer, it looks different. Well, if that's the case, it's going to become so much harder to diagnose because people are, are so different. 
So in one sense, you have two people who walk in. They might have the same problem, but they have different symptoms. And if we focus on the symptoms, we could misdiagnose them. And if we misdiagnose them, now we're giving them medication for something that they don't even need. That could even be harmful. We would call this a false positive. On the other hand, sometimes we have, time, we have instances where a boy and a girl have the same... Uh, we just talked about different symptoms. Sometimes they have the same symptoms. They have the exact same symptoms. They go and see the same clinician, one after the other. But they get diagnosed differently. Because there's a bias in health professionals' heads that goes, okay, well, a girl's more likely to have this, this, and this. And a guy's more likely to have this, this, and this. That's why you can walk into a clinician with the exact same symptoms and get different diagnoses. So all that's to tell you that it's complicated, folks. It's really, 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 really complicated. And I remember I'm sitting in my adolescent psychology class and I'm looking at this graph and you've got the y-axis, you've got the x-axis. That's nerd speak for you've got a vertical line, you've got a horizontal line. The vertical line represents the percentage of, let's say, anxiety or depressive disorders. The horizontal line represents time. Boys and girls, they're relatively equal, relatively stable, nothing significant. All of a sudden, you got to about 12 years old. And I... I wish I had the graph on me. There was a spike in anxiety and depressive symptoms for girls when compared to guys. And from the age of 13, it increases drastically. 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19. Until about, I think, 23, 24 years old. There's a huge difference. And then girls start to level off. But in that 13 to 17 period two to three times more likely to suffer from anxiety or depressive symptoms. Now sit there and we could think about, well, why is there such a big difference? Especially when we live in a world that says go to therapy, where we recognize that most therapists are women and most people who go to therapy are women. And the person more likely to seek help between a man and a woman is a woman. Now, you might say, well, Daniel, is it because they're suffering the most? Or they're, they're suffering so intensely at such a young age that they learn these kind of skills to ask out for help or to seek social support at a very young age. That could be a societal reason. Or excuse me, that could be a not an evolutionary reason, but kind of like a coping reason from a younger age. Then you've got the societal expectation, which you could argue that women are treated more gracefully. There's less stigma when they reach for help rather than when a man asks for help. So one of the tricky things right now about being a guy in 2023 is I don't know if you've heard of the red pill. Here's all you need to know. When we live in a world that talks about things like male privilege and the patriarchy, and I don't mean this to be controversial, and those things exist. But when someone opens up and they say, I'm not doing well. I need help. And then you're met with rebuttals of you have privilege or we live in a patriarchy or you think you have a bad. Let me tell you about this LGBTQ. And then all of a sudden they push away and they go towards a space which makes them feel validated. And guess what? That space goes, you're a man. You shouldn't have, uh, 
problems, or if you have problems, you do not open up about them, you do not talk about them, you do not go to therapy. You opened up and look at what happened. They told you because you have privileges, you have to zip it and don't talk about your problems. Didn't I tell you? Didn't I tell you nobody cares about you? So the tricky thing happens when you're a guy, you're kind of in this imbalance where we want men to speak out and we encourage them to be more emotional and to be more in touch with their emotions and to be more sensitive. And yet in the same breath, when we tell them, you know, male privilege and patriarchy and there's all these political structures in place, not to say that there aren't, but do you folks see how invalidating it can be? When you tell someone to open up and then you tell someone to shut up in the same breath. So where do those emotions go to? If you're a young kid, if you're a young boy and you're filled with emotional intensity, what is the one emotion that has been universally acceptable for men to express since the dawn of time? Anger. Anger. If there was one emotion that was the least stigmatized for a man to ever express, it was anger. Whether you're looking at 2023, 1983, or 1963. So why are we surprised when conduct disorder, the guy who beats someone up, the guy who lights up a car on fire, the person who's involved in a mugging, is far more likely to be a guy than it is to be a girl. Why are we surprised when antisocial personality disorder is far higher in guys than when it is in girls? Why? Well, folks, where do those emotions go to? And the problem is, if you're a young person, you don't know how to articulate your emotions because you haven't been taught, because you haven't been in an environment where it was safe and it was validating to do so, you express it in the only way you know how, which is anger. Maybe you do flip the guy off in traffic. Maybe you do get physically violent. Maybe you tell your teacher off. And that aggression comes out. And there's this idea that it's kind of been floating around, not for all cases, but it said, look, behind all these really hyper-aggressive men was a young man who feels hurt. Behind all that screaming and yelling might be a person who at one point was weeping and no one heard him. So then he went and raised his voice so everybody hears him now. It's complicated. It's complicated. When we look at boys and girls, and when we look at mental health, and this isn't about comparison, about who has it worse, who has it better, who suffers more. At the end of the day, we're all human beings. We all have the need for social connection, for support, for intimacy, for love, for compassion, for competition. And we need to make sure that these needs are being met and that no one is being neglected. No matter what privileges they have, your mental health concerns need to be validated. At the very least, listened to. Can we, can we agree on that, folks? At the very least, if we say, hey, open up your struggles and you open up, 
We shouldn't invalidate your experiences. Look, our gender or our sex assigns us a different role in life. Life is going to look a little bit differently whether you're a boy or whether you're a girl. People are going to interact with you differently. There's going to be prejudice towards a certain sex. And look, this can be either or. I've met people who have prejudice towards women and have certain beliefs about their physical capabilities or intelligence. I've met people who have prejudice towards men and think that every man is a greedy, ambitious, self-loving, impossible of giving compassion kind of guy. So it goes both ways. And what happens is, even though we can't choose our sex, people will treat us a certain way. And it'll largely impact the way that we see ourselves, the way that we see other people, and the way that we interact in our environment. If you're a very pretty girl, and you're told by all the guys in your neighborhood and all the guys on Instagram that you're amazing and you're incredible, what does that do to your self-esteem? If you're a young girl who goes on Instagram and sees that the girls who are getting the most likes are also the girls who are posting the most scandalous photos, what does that do to your self-esteem? If you're a guy in a group and you notice that nobody gives you the chance to talk, but then let's say you ridicule someone or you make fun of someone or you break the law in some way, and that results in praise from the people in your group? What does that do to your self-esteem? We are shaped by our environments. We are shaped by society's expectations of us. We're shaped by our own beliefs about ourselves and about the world. And then we find environments which double down on our beliefs. We don't go looking for environments that contradict our beliefs, right? We go find other people who will agree. Life is so hard being a man. And then you, you YouTube it. And then you hear five or six videos and it feels good. Yeah, it is hard being a man. Yeah, awesome. If you're a girl, you do the same thing. Why? Because to feel validated, it, it feels good. It means, oh, I'm being understood. Somebody gets me. The reason why I think it's really important to highlight gender differences is not because to highlight one is better or worse. or It's not a competition. Health is health. And we want to become aware of these discrepancies. And if we're noticing that boys are dropping out of school more than girls, well, let's, let's have a discussion about that. Why? If you think the solution to all mental health is everybody goes to therapy, okay, you tell me why most therapists are women. You tell me why most people in therapy are women. Why don't men go? And if you come back to my earlier point of the invalidation, it's like, well, what do we do about that? And I think... This conversation opens up the door to one of the struggles in life. And I talked about this in the 14 Things I Learned Studying Psychology video where I wish it was just the individual's responsibility. But I don't think that's the case, folks. It is the individual, but it is also societally that we recognize these discrepancies when it comes to mental health in both of the genders or, or in all of the genders or whatever your belief is. And we sit down and we go, look, if everybody suffers, but people suffer to different degrees, we have certain patterns of suffering here that says 
if you have this chromosome, you're more likely to have depressive symptoms or anxiety symptoms or antisocial personality disorder. What can we do in relation of prevention to get ahead of that? How early do we need to start protecting people from falling down those, those pitfalls? The first step is educating people and becoming aware of those differences in sexes and genders. The following steps, we'll look at the people in power, the people who are in these powerful positions, having very honest conversations about the mental health state of young people. I don't mean the, the 30 or the 40 year old because folks, it starts young. And yes, we can help people at different ages, but if we can start young, like preteen, ideally, 10, 11, 12, doing something in schools, who knows what could happen? Is it a guarantee that we aren't already having these conversations and they haven't already tried things and people in positions of power aren't doing their best to help people's mental health? My friends, all we can do is try. And we can surround ourselves with mental health professionals and we can watch YouTube videos to stay informed. As long as we can do that, we can put one foot in front of the other and let's see where we end up. Thank you for listening, everybody. As always, I appreciate your support so much. Thank you for listening, whether it's on YouTube, on the podcasting platforms like Spotify, on Instagram, on TikTok. Be safe and take care of yourselves, everybody. Thank you. Bye-bye.